once, a Brahmin's wife gave birth to a child. Unfortunately, however, just after being born and touching the ground, the child immediately died. The Brahmin was very upset because of the untimely death of the child, so he took the dead child and went directly to the city of Dwarka. Formerly, when there were responsible kings up to the time of Dwapara Yuga, when Lord Krishna was present, the king was liable to be blamed for the untimely death of a child. The king was so responsible for the comforts of the citizens that he was deceived that there was not even excessive heat or cold weather. Although there was no fault on the part of the king, the Brahmin whose child had died immediately went to the palace door and began to make accusations against the king and his policies. The present king, Ugrasena, is envious of the Brahmins. No one should offer respect or worship to a king whose only business is envy. He has no self-control and possesses bad character. If such a king is worshipped or honored by the citizens, the citizens will never be happy. They will always remain poor, full of anxieties and aggrievement, and always unhappy. Thus the Brahmin accused the king that his newly born baby was dead due to the disqualifications of the king. We find in Vedic history that if a Kshatriya king were irresponsible, sometimes a consulting board of Brahmins maintained by the monarchy would dethrone him. Considering all these points, it appears that the post of monarch in the Vedic civilization is a very responsible one. Although in modern politics the post of monarch has been abolished, the president is not held responsible for the comforts of the citizens. In this age of Kali, the executive head of state somehow or other gets votes and is elected to an exalted post, but the condition of the citizens continues to be full of anxiety, distress, unhappiness, and dissatisfaction. Brahman's second child was also born dead, and the third also. He had nine children, and each one of them was born dead. And each time he came to the gate of the palace to accuse the king. When the Brahmin came to accuse the king of Dwarka for the ninth time, Arjuna happened to be present with Krishna. Upon hearing that a Brahmin was accusing the king of not properly protecting him, Arjuna became inquisitive and approached the Brahmin to find out why he was so upset. My dear Brahmin, why do you say that there are no proper kshatriyas to protect the citizens of your country? Do you think that all the royal personalities in this country simply engage in performing sacrifices with the Brahmins, but have no chivalrous power? If the Brahmins feel unwanted separation from their wives and children, and the kshatriya kings do not take care of them, then such kshatriyas are to be considered no more than actors. I promise that I shall give protection to your children. And if I am unable to do so, then I shall enter into blazing fire so that the sinful contamination which has infected me shall be counteracted. My dear Arjuna, Lord Balaram is present, but he could not give protection to my children. Lord Krishna is also present, but he also could not give them protection. And there are so many other heroes, such as Prajuna and Aniruddha, carrying bows and arrows. But they could not protect my children. I consider your promise to be like that of an inexperienced child. I cannot put my faith in your promise. Arjuna then understood that the Brahmin had lost all faith in Kshatriya kings. Therefore, to encourage him, while Lord Krishna and the others were listening, 
Arjuna spoke as if criticizing even his friend Lord Krishna. My dear Brahman, I am neither Sandrashan nor Krishna, nor one of Krishna's sons like Pradyumna or Aniruddha. My name is Arjuna, and I carry the bow known as Gandiva. You cannot insult me because I have satisfied even Lord Shiva by my prowess when we were both hunting in the forest. I had a fight with Lord Shiva, who appeared before me as a hunter, and when I satisfied him by my prowess, he gave me the weapon known as Pasu Patastra. Do not doubt my chivalry. I shall bring back your sons even if I have to fight with death personified. When the Brahmin was thus assured by Arjuna in such exalted words, he somehow or other was convinced, and thus he returned home. My dear Arjuna, please come now. When the Brahmin's wife was about to give birth to another child, the Brahmin began to chant, and after hearing him, Arjuna immediately prepared himself by touching the sanctified water and uttering holy mantras to protect his bows and arrows from danger. In this way, he soon appeared in front of the maternity home, equipped with his bow known as Gandiva and with various other weapons. The Brahmin's wife delivered a male child, and as usual, the child began to cry. But suddenly, within a few minutes, both the child and Arjuna's arrows disappeared in the sky. It appeared that the Brahmin's house was near Krishna's residence, and the Lord Krishna was enjoying everything that was taking place, apparently in defiance of his own kingly authority. For actually, it was he who played the trick of taking away the Brahmin's babies, as well as the arrows, including the arrow Pasupatastra, given by Lord Shiva, of which Arjuna was so proud. In the presence of Lord Krishna and others, the Brahmin began to accuse Arjuna of so many things. I put my faith in the words of Arjuna, who is impotent and expert only in false promises. How foolish I was to believe Arjuna. He promised to protect my child, even when Pradyumna, Aniruddha, Lord Balaram and Krishna have failed. If such great personalities could not protect my child, then who can do so? I therefore condemn Arjuna for his false promise, and I also condemn his celebrated bow, Gandiva, and his impudency in declaring himself greater than Lord Balaram and Krishna. No one can save my child, for he has already been transferred to another planet. Due to sheer foolishness only, I thought that Arjuna could bring back my child from another planet. Thus condemned by the Brahmin, Arjuna empowered himself with a mystic yoga perfection so that he could travel to any planet to find the Brahmin's baby. He first of all went to the planet known as Yamaloka, where the superintendent of death, Yamaraj, lives. There he searched for the Brahmin's baby, but he was unable to find him. Then he immediately went to the planet where the king of heaven, Indra, lives. When he was unable to find the baby there, he went to the planets of the fire demigods, Nariti, and then to the moon planet, and then he went to the Vayu and Varuna Lokas. And when he was unable to find the baby in those planets, he went down to the Rasatala planet, the lowest of the planetary systems. When he was unable to find the baby even after searching all possible planets, he then attempted to throw himself into a fire just as he had promised the Brahmin if unable to bring back his boy. Lord Krishna, however, was very kind towards Arjuna because Arjuna happened to be the most intimate friend of the Lord. Lord Krishna persuaded Arjuna not to enter the fire in disgrace. Krishna checked Arjuna, assuring him that he would find the baby. Do not foolishly commit suicide, he said. 
After addressing Arjuna in this way, Lord Krishna called for his transcendental chariot. He mounted it along with Arjuna and began to proceed crossing over many planetary systems. Outer space is taken like a great ocean of air, and within that great ocean of air there are many islands, which are the different planets. On each and every planet there are different kinds of oceans and mountains. Each and every planet has a different kind of atmosphere. Some of the planets, the oceans are of salt water, and on some of them there are oceans of milk or oil. Krishna passed over all these planets and reached the covering of the universe. This covering is described in the Srimad Bhagavatam as a great darkness. When Krishna approached the covering layer of this universe, the four horses which were drawing his chariot, Sagya, Sugriva, Megapuspa and Balahaka, all appeared to hesitate to enter into the darkness. When he saw that his horses were hesitant to proceed into the darkness, the Supreme Lord, the controller of all potencies, immediately released his disc, known as the Sivashan Chakra. The disc illuminated the sky a thousand times brighter than the sunlight. The darkness of the covering of the universe is also a creation of Krishna's, and the Sudarshan Chakra is Krishna's constant companion. Thus, the darkness was penetrated by his keeping the Sudarshan Chakra in front. In this way, Lord Krishna and Arjuna crossed over the great region of darkness, covering the material universes. After penetrating the cover of the universe, Arjuna saw the great effulgence of light, which is known as the Brahma Jyoti. This Brahma Jyoti is situated outside the covering of the material universe. Arjuna could not tolerate the glaring effulgence and closed his eyes. Krishna informed Arjuna, My dear Arjuna, the glaring effulgence, this divine light which you are now seeing, is my own bodily rays. O chief of the descendants of Bharat, this Brahma Jyoti is my very self. As the sun planet and the sunshine cannot be separated, similarly, Krishna and his bodily rays, the Brahma Jyoti, cannot be separated. Thus, Krishna claimed that the divine light, or Brahma Jyoti, is he himself. After this, Lord Krishna and Arjuna entered a vast, extensive spiritual water. This spiritual water is called the Karanava Ocean, or the Viraja, which means that this ocean is the origin of the creation of the material world. By the grace of Lord Krishna, Arjuna had the unique experience of being able to see this very beautiful Karana Ocean. Accompanied by Krishna, Arjuna saw a large palace within the water. There were many thousands of pillars and columns made of valuable jewels, and the glaring effulgence of those columns was so beautiful that Arjuna became charmed by it. Within that space, Arjuna and Krishna saw the gigantic form of Anantadeva, who is also known as Sesha. Lord Anantadeva was in the form of a great serpent with thousands of hoods, and each one of them was decorated with valuable, effulgent jewels which were beautifully dazzling. Each of Ananta's hoods had two eyes which appeared to be very fearful and his body was as white as the mountaintop, which is always covered by snow. 
His neck was bluish, as were his tongues. Thus Arjuna saw the Seshanaga form of Anantadeva. And he also saw on that very soft white body of Seshanaga, Lord Mahavishnu was lying very comfortably. He appeared to be all-pervasive and very powerful. And Arjuna could understand that the Supreme Personality of Godhead in that form is known as Mahavishnu. Arjuna saw that the bodily color of Mahavishnu was as dark as a new cloud in the rainy season. He was dressed in very nice yellow clothing. His face was always beautifully smiling, and his eyes, which were like the lotus petals, were very attractive. Lord Mahavishnu's helmet was bedecked with valuable jewels, and his beautiful earrings enhanced the beauty of the curling hair on his head. Lord Mahavishnu had eight arms, all very long, reaching to his knees. His neck was decorated with the Kastuba jewel, and his chest was marked with the symbol of Srivatsa, which means the resting place of the goddess of fortune. The Lord wore a garland of lotus flowers down to his knees. This long garland is known as a Vijanti garland. Although there was no necessity for Krishna to offer obeisances, still, because he is the master teacher, he taught Arjuna just how respect should be offered to Lord Mahavishnu. Seeing Krishna offering obeisances to Lord Mahavishnu, he immediately followed him and stood before the Lord with folded hands. After this, the gigantic form of Mahavishnu greatly pleased, smiled pleasingly, and spoke as follows. My dear Krishna and Arjuna, I was very anxious to see you both, and therefore I arranged to take the babies away from the Brahmin and keep them here just so that I could see you. I've been expecting you both for some time. You have appeared in the material world in order to minimize the force of the demoniac persons who burden the world. Now, after killing all these unwanted demons, you will please again come back to me. Although you are both complete in yourselves to protect the devotees and to annihilate the demons and especially to establish religious principles in the world so that peace and tranquility may continue, still, you are teaching the basic principles of factual religion so that the people of the world may follow you and thereby become peaceful and prosperous. Both Lord Krishna and Arjuna then offered their obeisances to Lord Mahavishnu and taking back the Brahmin's children they returned to Dwarka by the same route which they had entered the spiritual world. All of the children of the Brahmin had duly grown up, and after returning to Dwarka, Lord Krishna and Arjuna delivered to the Brahmin all of his sons. Arjuna, however, was struck with great wonder after visiting the transcendental world by the grace of Lord Krishna. And by the grace of Krishna, Arjuna could understand that whatever opulence there may be within this material world is an emanation from him. Any opulent position a person may have within this world is due to Krishna's mercy. One should therefore always be in Krishna consciousness, in complete gratefulness to Lord Krishna, because whatever one may possess is all his mercy. Arjuna's wonderful experience due to the mercy of Krishna is one of the many thousands of pastimes performed by Lord Krishna during his stay in the material world. They are all unique and have no parallel in the history of the world. All of these pastimes prove fully that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Yet, while he was present within the material world, 
He played just like an ordinary man, possessing many worldly duties. His mission is to give protection to all the devotees and kill the demoniac kings. Therefore, he killed many hundreds and thousands of demons. Some of them he killed personally, and some of them were killed by Arjuna, who was deputed by Krishna. In this way, he established many pious kings at the helm of world affairs. Thus, by his divine arrangement, he created good government, and there ensued peace and tranquility.